Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey, gardening friends, it is great to be back on this wintry morning. Love it. Bev Daring and John Glidding are also with us, and you can get your calls in early if you like so we can spend a bit more time with you as the morning progresses, the busier it always becomes. Now, if you don't want to give us a call, you can also email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au, and I'll give you our studio number as if you don't already know it, 9484 1927 and thanking the cultured one Ellen Simons for setting the tone this morning as he always does and Ellen was supported this morning by our very own Bev Daring. She had to get up extra early to give Ellen a hand. Thank you both guys and not forgetting Jim Crine and he'll return next week uh, for the cycling segment at 10 to 8 and he'll be doing the program just after Let's Talk, talk Gardening. I'm trying to think what we're... <laughs> Classic 70s. You can see I haven't been here for a little while. It doesn't take much, guys. It doesn't take much. A few weeks off and we get rather rusty. We reset, don't we? Certainly do. I had to glance down then and go, what, did, what does Jim actually... Yes, I know. He does music from 10 to 12, alternating with uh, George Minolda, who will be here at 10 o'clock and he'll be doing the classic 60s. So we have missed you. We look forward to hearing what's been going on in your gardens. Faya Caro, good morning. Well, I'm pumped, Ray. A couple, <laughs> couple of weeks off has uh, meant that I've tip, ticked a couple of boxes at yeah, home and yeah. I'm re-inspired, ready and raring to go. <laughs> I, I really am. I've, good. I've hit a new level, a new gear. Okay. And I think... How many gears do you have? Just, just wondering. I don't know. I keep finding different ones. But I think now has, there has never been a more important time to garden. I feel that so yep. strongly. Oh, no. And I with with all the the curveballs that get thrown at us, Every day. we know that when COVID kicked off, we returned to our gardens. We were victory gardening. And with what's in the news now... These days. You just don't know what's coming next. next there I has agree. never been anything more important. You need to be able to turn to your garden and whip up something. Simple, fair, peasant food, call it what you like, eat the weeds, yeah, whatever. Whatever you need you to do. You can do it. Mental health, most important. Yes, mental and health and food gar- health. Yeah, gardening is key to, to all of that. Coming up on today's program, we've got Mark Tuchek joining us in the studio from 20 to 9. Mark is an author now amongst many other <laughs> I know. hats that Mark wears. And we're going to be looking at his new book called Bush Food for Beginners. And we're going to give those away today on air as well. So Mark Tuchek, he will be joining us in the studio at 20 to 9. Our interview this morning at 20 past 8, so that's coming up very soon, is Angie Thomas from Yates. She is the Horticultural Communications Manager. We're talking winter veggies, what to plant, what to do now, winter colour, and some great tips for hanging baskets. But Yes. And why not 
throw some edibles in a hang basket. Perfect and, idea. And if it's out in the rain, you don't even have to water it. Yeah, So exactly. that's upskill. There's, uh, there, there's no reason not to have something growing somewhere exactly. that you can eat. All right, let's head to Byford. First, first cab off the rank. Joy, good morning. Oh, look, nothing like being first. <laughs> well done, Tell Joy. Me about it. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies. I've missed you. you. It's oh, great you. to have you back. I hope you had a nice holiday. Oh, it's never a holiday, no. Joy, but no, it is true, a true. chance to get some of those other jobs done and yeah. just, yeah, exactly. um, get off the treadmill for a couple of weeks. It's good, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Um, I just want to know, I want to cut my orange tree back. Um, how hard can I go without killing it? You can go really pretty, pretty hard. Uh, can prune. you? The reason for pruning is to maintain a shape and a size and yes. to reinvigorate a plant. If you do go really hard, it will take time to recover. Now's a pretty good time to do it after it's finished fruiting. I was uh, going to say when, yes. Now, now is okay. Now, springtime, yep. you'll be fine. Okay. Mm. What is uh, that, the reason that you want to give it a, a hard cut back? One, because it's getting too tall and I can't get the fruit off the top and it just needs the top lopped off. It's got a lot of dead wood and mm. it sort of just needs a good tidy up and I thought, right, I'm going to get into that when it's finished fruiting. But I wasn't sure how far without killing it. Well, certainly the first thing to do is go in and clean out any dead, dying, diseased and thin branches and yep. then bring it down to the size that suits you. Okay. And now you don't have to cut on a slant or anything because of the wet or...? No, well, you see, most of the branches won't be going vertical. So no. the, the reason they talk about cutting on a slant is so that the water can run off. But the... There is less surface area when you do a square cut. So okay. cut back to a node or a growth point because yep. when that reshoots, that will cover up your pruning. So you'll end up with a tidier looking plant. Okay, sounds good. Now just quickly, is there any more update on the chilli thrip? Well, I, I think that'd be asleep. Get rid of it? Um, winter isn't the time to worry no, about it as much but it could be overwintering in the is, soil it, yeah definitely with with eggs yeah. so certainly clean up all your leaf matter and if you're going to spray uh, there was a couple of suggestions um, my go-to if anything would be eco oil but there is success and what's the success other? ultra and also Oh, is it not neem oil? Neem oil? Neem no. oil is, eco neem is one of the things that can, can be used as well. The thing is, it is so tiny and it can get into the cracks. So, you know, you you might also consider a copper spray. Uh, okay. A, a lot of people do copper spray their plants at this time of year. Yeah. And that I'm hoping to get at least a, some roses mm. while it's, you know, the good time before the heat comes because I got nothing last year, just ruined them. That's that's right, Joy. I've had the same problem. No, yeah. oh, it's so disheartening. Mm. It is. But and actually, when the chilli thrift uh, quietened down, I've had some ro my roses trying to put out push out some autumn flowers, yeah, yeah. as we all have. Mm. And uh, the poor things are trying, but they're just being absolutely knocked out by the chilli thrift. 
Yes, I've lost a few, but I'm hanging on to the others, so yeah. it's all you can do. Okay, ladies, thank you so much. Thanks, all right. Joy. Take it easy. You too. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. And how are you enjoying this rain, Faye? Oh, well, yesterday I was out there tidying up the patio. I spent the whole day in between doing other yeah, jobs, but yeah. just shuffling plants, putting pots out into the rain of plants that, mm. you know, will, will tolerate it. I don't want to put things out that are too um, sensitive to Sh- cold and them. then forget about them. But have done that. But I've done that. <laughs> we, all, we all do. Mm. Uh, yes, I've, I've put a few plants out there. I've tidied up. Uh, move things around. I've cleared the spaces for access, and now I'm looking at the pots, thinking, mm, "You deserve to be repotted into matching pots." And then I'll go to the next level of uh, decobwebbing the patio, ready to paint. I've got moss growing on the paving where it's getting wet all the time. Yeah. There's weeds popping up in the paving, oh, uh, but I've mm. tackled in a big way my weeds, mm. and I'm rather enjoying i've actually delegated and i called in the big guns and ray who are the big guns mm, Envirapest. oh okay mm. yeah and it was it was hard you know we did a tour of the whole property and worked out we've got yeah. a lot of velt grass yeah. but not only perennial velt grass we had the annual velt grass which looks very much like wild oats mm. and honestly once that was treated you know, there's this definition between the plants and the pathways and the gardens. So now I work on the individual garden beds. As you can imagine, it wasn't an easy decision to hand over that responsibility. No, no. But honestly, I'm you know I want to get them back in another few weeks and get the ones that we miss because yeah. they they just made my life easy and. And I feel good about my garden. Like, yeah. I can see now what yeah. I need to do. Who was I to you're, ever you're, think... You're fighting a war. Well, yeah, mm. and who, who... And not winning. How did I think I could ever manage them all? I no, just no. can't, Ray. Not no. four acres of them. No. And we right. had fountain grass on the verge. You know, it was getting into the fence lines. Uh, it was choking out the natural bush. And under the velt grass that we'd sprayed last year, I found coral fungi popping up. So I kind of know that it's not all bad what we've done. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I've, I'm a bit more hopeful. Yeah, yeah, mm. no, I don't blame you. All right, let me see, quarter past eight. Now, we also got some great giveaways today. Our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees coming up. And we're also giving away three bottles of Very Grow Foliar Spray for you. And we also, when Mark comes in, we'll also be giving away two books for Bush Food for Beginners. Wow, what so a busy day. are a bit spoiled. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind. All right, let's head to Atterdale. We're chatting with Dom. Good morning. Morning, Dom. How are you? We're doing really great. What about you? Yeah, good, good. Just um, yeah, just heading back from golf, which got cancelled. Oh, <laughs> what Why? a shame! Why? It's only a bit of water, Dom. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I was ready, but um, no, nah, they decided to cancel it. Someone else chickened out. But they give me a chance to um, ask a question. Um, with uh, a house in Adderdale, it's um, we've just uh, had new lawn put in the back, um, quite a large area of lawn uh, with um, buffalo and it's getting a lot of clover or it's got clover in it and uh, apart from 
trying to remove it by hand, is there some poison that'll um, kill the clover and not the lawn? Oh, I tell you what, I, I'm going to handball this one to John because this is a, a question about uh, a product and the difficulty is buffalo lawn because many of the, the other sprays can be applied to, say, a cooch lawn and will knock out weeds. Buffalo is certainly a different case. Um, you can consider not doing anything because clover will actually pull nitrogen into the soil. So it is an annual weed that if you just mow it will kind of in some ways benefit the the lawn itself. And it will dissipate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, that is, that is a consideration. So, yeah, the research yeah. I've done sort of says you, you can live with it. Keep it mowed. Don't let it get very um, leafy and growth. Regular mowing, but not too short. And the thing yep. is, as time goes on, you need to keep your buffalo lawn strong and healthy, which will help out-compete weeds. Yeah, because it's actually a variant of buffalo. I think uh, palmetto or palmello it's called. Right, uh, yeah. But, but also with this clover, I mean, it's also coming out in a lot of the um, uh, the mulch that's been laid. And, oh. and again, the the, um, the landscaper basically has said, well, that's really a, a winter problem and, uh, you know, sort of it won't, won't be a problem as you get into uh, the warmer weather. I mean... Uh, would that be the correct thing as well? Well, I don't you know. That, I, I would look a little bit further. If you didn't have clover before... That's going to be and, my question. Did you have clover in the past, Dom? There was always clover, but I'd always kept pulling it out before they mulched the um, Yeah, but it's garden. there. Mm. But also, um, yeah. the idea of mulch is to, to smother weeds. Mm. So I start to wonder if it wasn't put on thick enough. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Something to think about. Hmm. It will dissipate come yep. later in the year. Yeah. It, it will, but if you're looking for an answer now. No problem. I, I'm going to give that one a bit more thought, Dom, because, you know, when we're organising our gardens and we're doing our winter tidy-ups, it's kind of not acceptable to have a garden full of weeds. You know, we work our way around. We mm. we try to tidy out the garden beds and we don't want weeds competing with our plants for for looks as well as nutrients. Um, Isn't clover a suggestion that the soil is lacking nitrogen? It It is. And it so it does help. And so that will change over time. But it's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow if you've spent money and done work on on your garden to have it looking good and oh, it then it. <laughs> gets overrun well, with a weed yeah, that's what counterproductive. Happened, what happened to me Dom I had a garden put in and with the plants that came into the garden the new plantings weeds came in that were in those plants mm. and it, it brought something into my garden that I never had so and, you're not alone. And the other thing about that too, Ray, is when we plant plants we, we prepare our planting hole yeah. and then we put the plant in and then we backfill it and then we mulch but away from the roots and so then you get these opportunistic weeds that yeah. that take advantage of the nutrients so they grow around That's the collar of the plant exactly what and I've that's had. what we 
we really, apart from everything else, we need to remove That's because part. we can't have them competing with our plants. Yeah. Stay, stay tuned, Dom, and mm. we'll uh, come back with a, a product for you. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks for your call, love. Cheers for that. All right, short break. When we return, we're chatting with Angie Thomas from Yates. Welcome back. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening. You're with Faye and Ray. And John did come in on the break, Mm -hmm. and this is for Dom in Adderdale for Clover in the Lawn. There is a product, uh, Buffalo Pro. It's easy to use in a hose-on applicator bottle, selectively kills the most common broadleaf weeds in lawns, including bindi, clover, dandelions and thistles. And one bottle treats 200 square metres. So I know that people have used this with varying success. Mm. Uh, it, it is a product for, for that task. Actually, we might be able to ask Angie from Yates. Yeah, okay. Well, she'll mm. be joining us shortly. Bev just had to disappear then, so she she will return. Uh, someone actually called, phoned in, Selwyn of Kalamunda, and uh, with a product for spraying clover called Spearhead. Yes, we've heard of that one before. Can only be purchased by lawn mowing contractors, and you do need a license. So that's the other thing, though. But if you can get a contractor to come in and do it specifically for you, then they... Yeah, I think one one of the points uh, about success with managing weeds, Mm. what we have available to us at our local hardware stores are are limited and they're probably dumbed down for the domestic garden. Commercial contractors have more knowledge than the average home gardener about how to apply chemical treatments and to a certain extent it comes with a guarantee. So if you do get a professional you're more likely to get the result you want because they understand these people have had many years dealing with these sorts of problems and they wouldn't be in business if what they did didn't work. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying permanently, but if it didn't work to a desired level of result, they they wouldn't be able to keep doing it. Yeah, correct. And so this is another very good option for people to consider mm. is getting a professional person to come in and tackle the problem. I think down the track, Ray, Ray we will take a look at um, weeds. We'll probably start collating a few of the common problems. Yeah. And we can look at it from a, a commercial uh, contractor point of view, but also permaculture. So, you know, there's all these different levels of what people How want to achieve, it. you know, yeah. uh, do we need to go organic? What's the benefit? Uh, give people options, mm. yeah, and the t- the pros and cons of each. Absolutely, I think that will will work. Okay, so we're just waiting for Angie Thomas. Uh, she will be joining us shortly. So we have received an email from Pamela, who lives in Margaret River, around yeah. the Margaret River area, and yeah. she was telling us that she was really enjoying listening to Lisa Passmore, the series that we had on the basics of tips to design your own garden. Yeah. And they have got Lisa joining them on an event called Armchair Gardening with Stephen Ryan and Lisa Passmore on the 6th of August. Now, So that's coming up quite soon. Yes, the non-predictable garden. So this will be at the Kawaramup Hall, Bustle Highway, Kawaramup, 9.45 to 4pm. 
So members of the Mediterranean Gardening Group, Margaret River, are $35 a ticket and $50 for non-members. So it's a day event and it includes morning tea and lunch. So we do have the details of that here, um, payment, etc. So we will work out how we can share this on our Facebook page or yeah. the Curtain Radio Facebook page. We can do that. Uh, there's there's payment details here, so I'm not going to read them. No, 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 so. no. So, but it looks like a great event with great guest speakers. Mm. And if you happen to be in that uh, the perimeter uh, to be able to attend, uh, we'd attend if it was in Perth. <laughs> well, it's it's certainly time to start thinking about hitting the roads. And next weekend yeah. we will be speaking to our roving reporter, Grady Brand, who currently is down uh, touring wildflowers of yeah. the Chains Beach area. Fantastic. So look forward to an update from him Absolutely. about where to go and what to see because, hey, folks, it's wildflower season. And yeah. there is so much out there. Yeah. There's so many wildflowers and the garden that we went to last weekend, the beautiful open garden mm-hmm. up in uh, Bickley Valley, Bickley, full Bickley. of colour. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever happens with our water, I tell you what, bulbs are going to survive because yeah. they they go to sleep in the summer months and boom, the rains come and they're back. You've got, so you've we'll got all joy. have bulb gardens. You've got joy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as promised, we've got Angie Thomas from Yates Online. Good morning, Angie. You're with Ray and Faye. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Hello, Angie. So where are we speaking to you from today? I'm actually in the snowy mountains of New South Wales at the moment. Oh. So I'm having a bit of a bit of a break and I'm sitting in a room and I can look up to the snow-covered mountains. <gasps> it's oh. lovely. Angie. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I love. I'm a bit of a fan of cold weather. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not too fond of the heat. So this suits me just fine. And it's really interesting to see the different types of plants people grow down here as well. When um when it can get to minus ten in, oh. in the garden, you've really got to have your wits about you and choose your plants very very carefully. Gosh. Talk about extreme gardening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. now I believe Angie. Now it has. There has never been a more important time to garden than right now. I think you're an advocate too. Oh, absolutely. Like any, any time is a great time, but there's so many beautiful benefits that come from, from gardening. And um, in winter, people often think that you need to go to sleep in the garden in winter, and it's not true. There's so many fantastic things to garden. So gardening yes. is so good for you, but also with food prices just going nuts oh, at the moment. Absolutely. How wonderful is it to just step out into back, into your backyard or your balcony or your courtyard or wherever you're gardening and, and pick a handful of homegrown lettuce or herbs or whatever it is. Um, and you can feel I'm so pleased and a little bit smug that you don't have to pay the exorbitant prices in the supermarket. Well, so not, time not just gardening. the dollar factor the availability we can't always get what we want when we want so food security is very important isn't it 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 is it is and also i love the the idea that when we grow things we ourselves we eat very seasonally as well and we're we're all very used to being able to 
uh, to buy what we want when we want it, yes. when it's got to come from far-flung places throughout the world, I think it's really a good idea when we just get used to growing and, and enjoying things that are local, in season, and it's much better for the planet as well that it doesn't come from, from the other side of the world and thousands of food miles. Um, one of the things I love yeah. about people growing their own food, it's not food miles, it's food steps. You just step out into your backyard and it's and it's there and you know how it's been cared for and it's just so much joy when when people um, first harvest their whatever it's whether a cherry tomato or a cucumber or whatever they've grown I, I just love to see particularly on social media people say oh this is my first carrot or my first whatever <laughs> and they're very proud <laughs> oh, yes and yeah. even if the carrot is wonky and the Doesn't tomato matter. is not quite right yeah. it's just brilliant so everybody should be out um, on the weekend getting their hands wonderfully dirty in the garden <laughs> so we don't quite have snow here but what winter veggies are on offer at the moment there's lots of things that people still can be planting. Often winter veggies are planted in autumn, um, yeah. so, but just because it's winter, if you haven't got any winter veggies in, doesn't mean you've missed out. So you can still sow seeds of um, peas at the moment, so snow peas or shelling peas, whatever you're into. They're just gorgeous. I love got peas growing at the moment and not a, not a whole lot of them make them inside the house actually because I, I eat them as garden lollies um yeah. you can say broad beans there's also radish lots of different colors of radish are available um baby beetroots are really good as well uh some varieties of lettuce are actually quite winter hardy so you can put lettuce in and and there's your superannuation fund right there when you're growing lettuce exactly like exactly spring, yes. spring onions so lots of different things and that's just in the seed department you could go into your local garden center and there's lots more um, opportunities as well with uh, different seedlings. You can probably um, still pick up broccoli or cauliflower and uh, lots of different things. So it, just because it's cool doesn't mean that you can't put things in the ground now because a lot of veggies are perfectly suited to the cool weather. Yes. So lots, of, lots of fantastic growing opportunities. And, of course, to add to that, herbs. Yeah. A couple of herbs outside the back door adds a bit of zing to the, the winter stocks and soups or eggs or oh, very simple things, even a pasta dish. Very much so. And often with herbs, we only need a couple of sprigs or a few stems or leaves, say, for example, of, of parsley or, or rosemary. And so going to the supermarket and buying those big sleeves of, of herbs it can be really wasteful. But if you've got them growing in a pot, at, at my place where, where I live, I've got um, some troughs at the, at the back on the, on the back veranda and I've got um, uh, sage and I've got thyme and I've got chives. And it's just wonderful just to be able to duck out there and, and pick a few, a handful, and and um, and it's always on offer. And it, it does, it, as you said, it does really add a bit of zing to whatever you're, uh, whatever you're cooking. So uh, herbs, absolutely. Fantastic. Now, would you consider putting any of these in a hanging basket? Hanging baskets are really underrated. So yeah. yes, anything that's got a creeping or a trailing habit is really good for hanging baskets. So hanging baskets. When you think you've run out of room, hanging baskets are the perfect way to make it available. Um, you make use of thin air, basically. Um, yeah. Also, hanging baskets can look wonderful and they can also help to disguise a, a less than ideal view. If you've got something, um, you're looking at your neighbour's bathroom or something like that across 
in a unit block or you can put um, a hanging basket there and a really wonderful way to make the use of space and, and disguise the view or make them really enhance the view. But trailing and creeping plants. So in the edible space, you can put herbs, like you think of thyme will sort of creep over the edges of, um, of hanging baskets. Mint is ideal for hanging baskets because yes. when you grow mint in the garden, it can get away from you a little bit. So mint is, is really good. Strawberries are another um, fantastic plant for hanging baskets as they trail over the edges. You get the hanging basket then dripping with these gorgeous red berries. Um, but so edibles is, is one thing that you can grow um, in a hanging basket. But also there's flowers, of course, as well. And I just wanted to mention, if you're creating a hanging basket, use a design principle called thriller, filler and spiller. So a bigger the hanging basket, the, the better, because hanging baskets tend to dry out quite quickly because one they're a pot and two that they're sort of moving around in the breeze and they're quite exposed so a bigger hanging basket is better but then when you're putting it together put an upright plant in the middle and that's that's your thriller plant and then you put filling plants around the edge of your uh, of your thriller plant and then a spiller something to cascade Mm -hmm. you can use that design principle for potted other potted plants as well but those three elements, thriller, filler, spiller, will give you a beautiful, nice, uh, full, lovely-looking, lush basket and lots of different colour. So you could choose uh, different flowers, different foliage colours. You can put flowers and foliage together. Yes. Uh, or you could have a green basket. I've got baskets at home with ferns and ivy. and Oh, it's just looks so lush and, and lovely and it doesn't take up any room at all. So it's um, quite a clever way to grow. Well, that sounds very inspiring, but the secret, of course, is going to be in the mix that's in it. What Do you use a special mix or, or what are the the basics to get it right and to not have to do anything much once planted? Yeah, so the, the key with all potted plants, but especially for hanging baskets, is use a premium potting mix because premium potting mixes, um, they're actually required to have more water holding capacity than a regular grade mix and usually they have wetting agents in there as well so that makes them easier to wet up but the hanging baskets I use at home are actually self-watering hanging baskets so they've got like a self-watering pot but they've got a water reservoir in the bottom of them so the plants can draw upon that moisture over um, several days or weeks depending on the on the weather but that means I don't have to um, be watering my hanging baskets every single day and that really helps to to cut down on on the maintenance so um, in, the, in the Yates range, we've got some Tuscan uh, self-watering hanging baskets, which are great, really sturdy plastic, quite big as well. But self-watering hanging baskets are a really good idea. And then all I have to do is I just poke my finger into the little hole in the bottom of the basket and I can feel whether there's yeah. any moisture. So yeah. really does help to take the guesswork out of it as, as well. And um, as I said, I'm growing ivy and, and different type, types of ferns. I've got these beautiful rabbits um, or hare's foot ferns with these furry rhizomes or roots sort of uh, cascading out over the basket. Oh, gee, they're lovely. So I really, I'm really quite keen on hanging baskets, as you can tell. Mm, I, I, I share your enthusiasm. So what about winter colour at the moment, Angie? What do you recommend for the listeners? Lots of different things. So you could do an annual display. So pansies and violas are really king in the, um, at this time of year, beautiful winter colour. And you can put a rainbow of colours together or all yeah. one colour. So yeah. really lovely. So pansies and violas. Also there's hellebores. So people might know them as winter roses yes. and they really are 
stars in the garden in winter, particularly if you've got a shady area underneath trees, for example, hellebores do really well. But you can also put them in pots. And when they're flowering at their peak, you can actually bring those pots in for several weeks at a time. Enjoy so them. You yeah. can, oh, they're just gorgeous. Um, and they look quite delicate, but hellebores are actually quite hardy. So really lovely additions to the garden. And also in, in the succulent space, like Kalanchoe are really good. They're hardy succulents and have the most vibrant, vibrant colored flowers mm. oh like beacons in the garden so bright red or oranges and yellows yes. so they're really good um in, in pots in particular think of one of those on an outdoor setting where you can see it from from the inside um inside the house but also enjoy it when you're having a nice morning cup of tea or something out in your outdoor setting so they're really good for winter color as well but your local garden center will have lots of different options as, as well there's um quite a few other annuals like um uh, pot marigold or calendula that flowers during the cooler months they've lots of different options you'll be spoiled for choice when you go to your local garden center now angie there's something else you might be able to help us with and we received a call about clover in a buffalo lawn and i thought you probably have got an answer Absolutely. So one of the most important things for people to know is what type of lawn that they have because buffalo lawns are sensitive to some herbicides. So knowing what type of lawn you have is really important and then choose uh, a selective herbicide. So selective herbicides just target the weeds and leave the lawn alone. But choosing a selective herbicide that's been specially designed to be safe for buffalo lawns. So, for example, in the Yates range, we've got a range of herbicides called uh, Yates Buffalo Pro. So that has been specially designed to be safe for buffalo lawns. So that will take the clover out. And also other broadleaf weeds, think bindi or cape weed or lamb's tongue, plantain, other broadleaf weeds. But check, um, just check your lawn type. But if you know you've got buffalo, then Buffalo Pro is the way to go. So what is the active constituent in that? So um, Buffalo Pro takes out one of the um, herbicides that uh, buffalo lawns are sensitive to. So in Buffalo Pro, one of the active constituents is special for buffalo. It's called bromoxanil. So selective herbicides that are safe for buffalo have bromoxanil in them. So that's what you need to look out for. But labels these days are pretty good and they will say safe for buffalo lawns or on the flip side, not safe. Do not use this product on buffalo lawns. So that's a, a really good um, thing to look out for on the lawns. Uh, on uh, sorry, on the labels. But also, some people don't know what lawn type they have. They might not have um, put that lawn in. They might not know. And I've spoken to people in nurseries before, and I ask them, "What type of lawn do you have?" And they look at me and go, "Oh yeah. gosh, Angie, it's green. I don't know." So sometimes it's safer to assume that you do have a buffalo lawn and use something that is safe for buffalo because those products are also safe to use on other lawn types as well. So um, if you don't know, use something that's safe for buffalo. Do you have a remedy, Angie, for Kai Q running through buffalo lawn? Is there anything out there? That is really hard. At the moment, there's no technology um, to to remove Kai Q from buffalo. So it would be a combination of manual hand removal, which is a little bit of a punish, but um, or very, very careful paint brushing of, a, a, say, for a non-selective herbicide, say, for example, glyphosate yeah. onto Kaikyu, but that's, it, it can be fraught with danger. If you get any on the buffalo, you're going yeah. to kill the buffalo as well. Yeah. But, um, yes, if someone could come up with I that. I know, that'd be a multimillionaire. I 
know, I know. And I feel your pain, whoever you're... Um, uh, oh, I'm asking for myself. <laughs> oh, Not even pain. a friend. <laughs> so, oh, all right, excellent. Angie, we have to uh, push on. We really appreciate your, your advice and wisdom and inspiration this morning. You're a delight to speak to, and thank you so much for your time. We'll let you get back to gazing at those beautiful mountains oh, with snow. Thank you. Very, oh, thank very you. envious. Thanks for having me. Thanks, <laughs> Angie. Lovely talking thank to you. you. Thank Bye you. for now. Cheers. Thank Bye. you. And that, of course, was Angie Thomas from Yates. Radio. You're with Ray and Faith. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio with us is Mark Tuchek. Uh Good morning, Mark. I know we're still getting the headphones on and still getting organised. Uh, organized. Morning, yes. Faye and Ray. It's great to be here. And now you're an author, amongst many other things. How long have you been writing this fabulous book, Bush Food for Beginners? Well, which I just received a copy. Thank you. I know. Well, uh, it's actually been a long time in the making yeah. because uh, I've been doing it during my spare time, which I don't have, <laughs> don't have, oh, yeah. I don't have much of. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I've just been doing it gradually, but I was uh, inspired because uh, a lot of people contacting me through the website yeah. and asking me, how do I get started? What do I do? There's lots of people out there that aren't really familiar with our fabulous bush foods. And uh, so I thought I'd put the the answers together and uh, produce a little book out of it. Yeah, quite right. And mm. this is like a little handbook. It's fantastic. And I've just, you know, having a flick through, it's very easy to read, uh, easy to follow. All Everything is, is outlined very clearly. This is the perfect handbook for people... Starting like out. us, and not even, and not yeah, and not even uh, for beginners either. I'm pretty sure there's information in here for everybody uh, that we're going to draw on. Because quite often, if I want to know something, I do go to your website and try and find what it is and see what I can find. I look up, you know, from time to time. Well, it's true. I thought I'd yeah. put uh, enough information on the website, but obviously yeah. I hadn't. Yeah. And uh, so this book uh, has what's on the website, but a lot more, a little bit of uh, yeah. a few basic tips. Yeah. Expands on it because Australia is a big place, you know. Like, there's lots of uh, areas in Australia where you can do gardening, and we've got tropical North Queensland down to Tasmania. So it talks about different soils, uh, different uh, climatic conditions for plants, and I also rated a few plants um, according to how easy I thought they would be to grow That's for the garden. That's very handy so, as well. Yeah, and, and compare how do people access this? Well, at the moment, I've just got it on the website, but right. uh, Ross from Xantheria uh, has just decided to take some, so they've got some. Oh, and uh, Joanne at Guildford Town. Yes. So if you don't want to pay the postage and you want to go visit a garden centre, you can actually get out to um, those two places and pick up the book there. Okay. Fantastic. Oh, well done, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to? Well, What's going on in Mark World? Besides that, obviously, is the most wonderful thing. Well, this time of the year, the nursery, uh, not much is happening because a lot of the water plants that I do as well uh, mm. have slowed down and they've gone dormant. And uh, But there's still lots of maintenance, a lot of weeding to do. We were oh. talking about weeds earlier. Yeah. And um, so we've been busy with that. And we're actually uh, propagating now uh, to get ready for spring. So because we've got the luxury of ha got a hothouse and and heated um, uh, propagating mats. So we're getting things uh, nice and warm and starting them off now. So when we hit uh, September, hit the ground running yeah. and get things going. But um, in other news, I've actually been invited to 
the uh, Kwandong Festival. I in, saw that. In Kwan, of all places. So that's South Australia. South Australia. Mm. So it's a bit... Um, when you go uh, across Nullarbor, you get to like Port Augusta and you go down to Adelaide. Quorn's uh, up a bit from there. And it's in the Flinders Ranges. Mm. And uh, it's really going to be like a massive bush food festival. Wonderful. And Costa's headlining it, so mm. he's uh, going to be there. And there's some other big names too. There's uh, Bruce Pascoe, who wrote uh, Dark Emu. And uh, the chefs from River Cottage and uh, all kinds of interesting people are coming from all over the place. So... I'm excited about that. So I've never been to Quorn, so looking forward to and that. And so when's that happening? That's August the 6th uh, Oh, very well. soon. Yeah. Very so, soon. Uh, just ducking out for the, the weekend for that. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to it because they've yeah. got some very clever people doing a lot of good work in the bush food uh, industry and it's being driven by chefs, uh, growers, and also media personality too, like um, Costa, of course, is into bush food. And uh, it's been managed by our friends at uh, Warn Do. So Rebecca Sullivan, she's uh, written a very good uh, cooking book um, on bush foods. And uh, she's one of the kind of leading lights in South Australia that's uh, putting this all together. So, Oh, exciting times, Mark. It is. Absolutely, absolutely. Now... Oh, Wendy of Belladura did phone in and we were going back to clover issues in Buffalo Lawn and her product that she has had success with is Amgrow Bin Dye. Okay, and that was recommended to her by her lawn mowing contractor and she's had success with that. Mm. I think when you go to a hardware store and you're looking for something to treat something, the fact that if you know what that active constituent is, the bromoxanol is what you're looking for. And, of course, a lot of companies will market it, market the product in different ways, but the same active ingredient. So that's that's a key to what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, time to give some goodies away. If I can actually find where I am on my page, it's one of those mornings. How would you like to win three bottles of Verigo Foliar Spray? Verigo? is a revolutionary garden fertiliser. It's made from Aussie wool. Scientific breakthrough garden game changer created right here in WA and it's turning Australia green. It's safe, it's natural and it could be the best thing that ever happens to your garden. To know more, to learn more, you can search verygrow.com.au. Now, I have three bottles of Verygrow foliar spray to give away this morning. You must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. So you must be a Curtin FM member, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. If you're the third caller through now to Bev, do do keep in mind that you must collect. We can't put these bottles in the post. You do need to be able to come to the station to collect. Give Bev a call now, third caller through on 94841927. And the fabulous bottles of Very Grow Foliar Spray are yours. Go to it. Okay, we will be back in just a moment. Curtain Radio. Appreciate your company this morning. Mark Tuchek has joined us in the studio. Mark is from Tuckerbush and we have a couple of fabulous books to give away. Bush Food for Beginners. And we've been learning a little bit about how the book came to be. We'll talk about it more as the morning evolves. We're in Canning Vale. Kathy, good morning. Hello. Hi. Hello, Kathy. Oh, good morning. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you can help me. Um, I've got a lily pilly in a very large pot and it's 
um, the leaves have now got uh, a lot of black spot on them. Okay. And I'm wondering, the, I've done a fungicide spray and I've fed it, and I'm just wondering if you have any other tips. I'm going to handball this to our bush food expert, Mark, who's sitting right beside me with a lily pilly right beside <laughs> him, Cathy. So I, I knew you were going to call in, so I brought a lily pilly in. Yeah. <laughs> Here's oh, one I prepared you. earlier. Uh-huh. Um, You're a psychic as well. That's it. I know. It's handy. Uh, so lily pillies, um, well, they tend to feel the cold this time of the year, to tell you the truth. So black dots on the leaves, I probably wouldn't be too worried about. Um, they they do get a a little bit of a fungal disease, but it's probably incidental. And but is it um, usually the new growth gets affected by psyllids or lerps, which kind of distorts the new growth on it. But black dots on the leaves this time of the year, I really would just put it down to the cold weather, and I wouldn't even spray it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's that's really reassuring. Thank you, because. I was really worried I was going to lose it. No, I don't think so. Is it in the ground or in a pot? It's in a, a very um, large pot. Okay. Yeah, in a big, big square uh, planter pot. Okay. Um, are, are getting leaves drop off it? Are they leaves dropping off um, more than uh, more than normal? No. No, no. that's okay. Not, not not more than normal. Yeah. Because sometimes in, uh, plants in pots, uh, this time of the year, they can actually get too wet and uh, their drainage is affected, which can also uh, show symptoms through the leaves. But if you're not getting leaf drop and you've just got a few black spots, it should be fine. It'll come good when, when the weather warms up. Oh, okay. All right. I'll keep my fingers crossed then. Thank you so much. No worries. Good on you, Kathy. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Cheers for that. Now, we do have a winner for the Very Grow products, Andrea of Les Moody. So congratulations, Andrea. And pop into Curtain Radio when you can to collect those goodies, three bottles of Very Go Foliar Spray. Not too bad at all. We will be going to the news at 9am. Oh, we have received a couple of emails come yeah. in, Ray. So one is about a boab and there is a photo here of a boab that's lost a couple of leaves they've got black spots on them it's in a pot uh it was not getting enough sun so it's been moved but it actually looks worse now than it did a week ago so what what can you tell us about boabs mark yeah so well certainly boabs they love the heat so and they hate the cold and so this is actually quite a small one in a, in a yeah. small pot which would be even more susceptible um, to the cold weather. And especially if they get cold, wet feet this time of the year. So, uh, Like all of us. Like all of us. Uh, so they've at least moved it to a north-facing position. So that's usually quite good. Um, usually underneath the eaves, if it's facing north, it gets the winter sun and it's reflected off the, the heat of the, uh, the building maybe and possibly doesn't get as wet if it's underneath the eaves. So I would make sure uh, this plant probably dries out this time of the year. And also, it, if they could even put a little bit of um, like a, a plastic wrap around it, you know, just to insulate it, to make it a bit warmer. Um, but it's really just the cold weather. And again, these black dots are secondary and incidental. So 
I wouldn't be spraying it uh, or anything like that. It's just the cold weather for birds. And a lot of plants are like that. So one of the things that mm. we're going to talk about this morning is microclimates for plants. Yes. So that that's a good follow-on for that. So certainly that would do better in a hothouse, yes. protected from rains yes. so that you can control the watering and keep the temperature up a little bit. Yep. Or if you've got a, an orangery, you know, you can put it in there too. So. A what? A what? An orangery. Haven't you heard of that? No. Which country that, are we in? Uh, in the UK, in England. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they, I get it. Yeah, they, that's where they used to uh, move their citrus uh, mm. in and out of yes. uh, these ornate glass houses. So if you've got one of those in, in your place, put the bow in there. That's interesting because back in 2015, at this time, we were in Canada. Oh, nice. And, you know, they can't grow orange trees like we do. Yep. Their citrus was so sickly looking. Well, they get layers and layers of snow, mm. but their plants looked terrible. They had mealybugs on them, and this is even in a hothouse. And, well, other fruit trees that they have trouble with are, say, apples. Oh. And the, the fruit were freezing on the bushes, on the plants, and so they actually make a cider of frozen, frozen apples. Oh. Gosh, we take for granted, you know, people talk about how poor our sands are, but we can grow just about anything we want here. How lucky are we? We are pretty lucky, you know, because we can grow a mango pretty well and then we can grow a, a cherry, you know, so, and they're two you know, opposite Extremes. ends of the, the scale, but uh, we always want to grow the things that are difficult we to grow. We can't, yes. Yeah, we can't grow. <laughs> and uh, so Human there are the challenges out there, yeah. Yes. All right, 94841927. We will be going to the news in a sec. Faye, you wanted to say something? Did I? Um, I don't know. You well, just always look like you can't wait to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah sent us in a photo of a geranium that we had talked about on the show quite some time ago. This is dated May. And uh, we didn't know much about it, but it was in the ground. And I just wanted to follow up and say that, Sarah, this is actually a staff geranium. They have gorgeous little pointy leaves and delicate, pretty, uh, fairy-like flowers almost. Love so, that. yeah, just following up on that, Ray. Oh, well, thank you very much. All right, nine o'clock news as promised. Heading for a maximum today of 18. Right now it's 13.2 degrees, obviously cloudy, with showers. The minimum overnight, you can expect 7, and a chilly maximum tomorrow of 16, a shower or 2. And for Monday, the minimum overnight will be 7, with a maximum of 18. Cloudy and a possible shower developing. Our rainfall for July so far, 100.8 mils. The average is 124.5 mils. So I think we're on track to at least make our average for July. And we certainly need the water. We are a little bit behind, are we not? Well, yes, but I I think that the seasons are shifting. They're so definitely I think we're, shifting. you know, last year we had the longest, wettest winter. Well, I think it's just later. I think so too. Mm. This time last year, it was very soggy out there. I was, I was going around in welly boots. I had to walk through the moat to get to the car this morning, Ray. Okay. Yes, lots of water laying around. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, let's embrace it. Let's oh, get I out. love it. What was great last weekend about that open garden, people were out there in their boots yeah. and beautiful umbrellas. Yes. Just like they do in Melbourne. Like, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> like, let's not just hibernate because it's it. winter no go out and just live winter yeah i love it absolutely what's your favorite season 
I like I like autumn. I, I must yes. I kind of like it when the wind slows down a bit because yes. it's either blowing a gale during summer with the sea breeze or, or in winter. In winter, so usually kind of there's a few patches in autumn. And up in the hills, uh, when the, without the wind, it's just been beautiful lately. So it's been really nice. Yeah, the winds the other night. I had a big pot go over, and it set the alarm off in the house. Oh wow! Just hit probably the vibration hitting the ground, and I wasn't the only one. I think a few people, you know, had pots tip over the other night with the well, wind. I got a new cycad, and big shout out to Corey who has rung and left a message with Bev to say that she has got, she had some big cycads. And she wanted them to go to a good home, so I hooked up the trailer and, and took, that was you took my two strapping lads yeah. and picked up this amazing huge cycad. I think it's a ceratosamia, and one of the fronds came off. And I thought, gosh, who's done that? Next day, there's two more broken off in the wind ray, like yeah. they're wow. a meter long. It is amazing. I've worked out, well, I need to find a position where it'll be out of the wind. Needs protection. Big thanks to Corrie because it's found a forever home. Instant garden. Oh, my jaw dropped, Ray, when I saw how big it was. Oh, my word. So blessed. Well, if you had to pay for that, I think (laughs) you've done very well because they take ages, don't they? 40 years old. There you go. How old? 40. Good Mm. Lord. Yes. Oh, lucky you. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, our listeners are amazing. Mm. Yeah, they sure are. And you've certainly got the room to have it. Oh, well, I don't know about that. Oh well, you're filling up the four acres. <laughs> well, you That's know, the aim. bush is the bush because it's so so precious. Mm. Next year, I hope to do more through education to you know use the property as as a way of teaching people. You know, like fungi hunts and wow. slime safaris and. <laughs> She's a crazy girl, isn't she, Mark? I reckon. Let's be honest. Yeah. But it has to be beautiful. But we, we need passionate people like Faye, so that's, yeah. that's what makes, makes the world a little bit more interesting. Oh. So, yeah. so Mark, I want to talk about sustainability. I want to talk about microclimates. And, yeah. and on the phone, we sort of touched on the fact that you can, you can have a garden even in a small space. What... What and how can you do it? You certainly can. And if we, we talk about bush foods in particular, um, so last year we at the uh, the Perth Garden Festival, uh, we made uh, a 10 by 10 square metre garden uh, from just on the lawn. Um, but we use those principles. So we, we had a tree layer, which is really important. Um, so we've got some big trees in there. Uh, and then we, we've got a, a shrub layer, which is the next layer down. Then there's a herb layer. Uh, a herb layer is for those non-woody uh, perennial plants. Mm. And then uh, at, right at the bottom, we've got ground covers and things like that. So if people think about when they're gardening, if they can think about those things in that order. Yes. Um, because trees are the biggest thing, you want to make sure you get the right tree and you can get small trees and you can get big trees. Uh, but for small gardens, it's easy to get a small tree or at least a tree shape. So a trunk with a canopy that helps protect uh, the un- underlying plants or provides <clears throat> uh, protection from the wind and also the, the harsh summer suns that we've got. So tree selection is really important and getting that right is the, the kind of backbone of your little micro garden. Yeah. 
And then, um, and I talk about this in the, in the book actually a little bit, and then you come down and you start picking shrub layers. So things that are kind of between two to three metres in height and you can use them as screening plants. And when you start to put those kind of shrubs in, you start to create your own little microclimate, which protects uh, lower plants again, like the herb layer. So herb layers in the bush food are things like um, the native red back ginger, uh, we've got bush basil, so they're kind of like soft perennials and things like that. And and then you can fill up uh, underneath there. And then lastly, you want something uh, over the ground, so uh, a mulch is ideal. But then a, a plant covering to stop weeds um, and to also soften it. And when you start to do that, um, we started the garden, uh, for example, on the esplanade there, and within two days of starting it, we had a little resident willy wagtail. Oh, right. Whereas before, it was yeah. just a big lawn expanse. Exactly. Uh, but because we'd have those different elements there, Straight we're away. already attracting a little um, little bit of wildlife. And so. when you were talking about that, I could actually see a habitat being created. In front of you, you've got a Geraldton wax, and the blue wrens just dance around in the, the Geraldton wax in our garden. Uh, you've got perches for birds to come in and, and just sit and watch. And you've got all those elements that bring in insects and make up part of an ecosystem. And it's all about diversity too, which is the most important thing because uh, if you get those monocultures yeah. um, and uh, all the same things and formal designs, things like that, you don't allow you know the birds to choose which plant they're going to fly into. Uh, or the insects to, you know, which, which plant they're going to be attracted to. So the more diversity you've got, uh, the better the ecosystem, and then the garden starts to look after itself, you know. I've so, seen that, yeah, firsthand, yeah. How, that, how that works. It, it's mm. really important, and, uh, you know, I've been around quite a long time, and in my position at the Wholesale Nursery, we get landscapers in, and they just buy you know, a hundred Eremophila cowberry carpet. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's just such a waste yeah. of an opportunity to make mm. a diverse really garden. do something and rather than blanketing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's a great plant, and yeah. uh, but not, you know, a hundred of them, that, no. that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, diversity is important and you can get diversity in small gardens and uh, you can have really interesting gardens in just in small spaces nowadays. Yeah, no, absolutely for sure. All right, we're heading out to the lines. We're we're in Mandurah. Colleen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're well, well. thank you. Good on you. Listen, I've just got a, a passion fruit query. About a month ago, our um, Nelly Kelly, it's absolutely loaded with fruit, and they're huge and heavy, and about half a dozen fell off. Just turn, they're just starting to turn. Will they ripen? It's sort of <laughs> unlikely, I think. Although maybe to give them their best chance, I would put them on a window, a sunny windowsill, and mm-hmm. uh, if they're they're far enough advanced, maybe you can just add a little bit of sugar to the pulp to make it work. Oh, we've cut one open. We need to add about a tablespoon of sugar. They're full oh. up, absolutely full up, but they're sour as sour. So, okay, well we'll give that a go. I've got them in a. Uh, box in the shed in the cupboard but they're not doing anything at all no so sun uh for one thing and maybe a banana with it oh yeah okay because that um i think it's ethanol in the banana that helps ripen fruit so 
take one for the yeah. team, Colleen, and if you have some <laughs> success, let us know. Will do. Okay. okay. Thanks very much for your help. All right. Cheers. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. And now we're in Ballsbrook saying good morning to Leslie. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Oh, I'm very well in yourself. I've missed your lovely ladies in your program for the last couple of weeks. Oh, thank you, Leslie. We, we've we kind of missed it too, but we've taken, um, we've made the most of our opportunity. Oh, I can understand <laughs> that. I have got um, a two-part question for you. I have got, I've had chili fritz really badly with my roses and I have been recommended to use lime sulphur after pruning. My question to you is, I have got beautiful gerberas which are in full bloom and they grow very close to the roses. Will the sulphur spray affect my gerberas in flower? Not, I wouldn't say, unless it was very hot. Um, you may get... Gerbers are a bit soft too, so they they may be affected by it. Um, certainly, this time of the year, it wouldn't be as bad as if you were spraying uh, in the warm weather. But uh, they could also be a host too for the chili strips. Do you think, Faye? Well, the, the there is a huge range, like three hundred species, I yep. think that can be host to chili thrips. Grapevines are certainly one. Uh, citrus, I think, were another. So there's there's many things. I, I couldn't be sure. Mm. Mm. I think aphids, certainly. Aphids get into the flowers as they're ageing. Yeah. Uh, that needs a bit more investigation, Leslie. Thank you for a challenging question. I'll, I'll see what I can find out for you. Okay, thank you, because I just want to make sure that I'm happy to spray now since there's no flowers and I'm very bee conscious, um, but I don't want to kill my gerberas at the same time. Mm. You know right. what I mean? So, so can you... We'll see if we can come and... back to that, because John's standing by, so he can do some a search on uh, chilli thrips affecting gerberas and lime sulphur affecting gerberas. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for your help, ladies. You're welcome, Leslie. Thanks, Leslie. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. Mark, what's your go-to for chili thrip? What are your thoughts on chili thrip in general? What's your Well, it's such a problem, position? isn't it? Yeah, mm. so... Uh, big problem. Yeah, um, like you was explaining before, I'm a big fan of uh, when you're pruning your roses uh, for spraying, and I even alternate between a copper spray and a lime sulfur spray. When and you say alternate, so you spray... With one product and then leave it for a couple of weeks. Leave and it for a couple of weeks, yeah, and, and then go back and use okay. the lime sulfur spray. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that way you can uh, prevention is uh, better than cure. Oh, yeah. And so if you can stop a lot of these things overwintering, but if they're uh, overwintering in the ground too, that's yep. uh, going to be very difficult and a nightmare. Um, I wonder how far down they go. I was thinking this when I pruned my roses. So mm. important to clean up all the leaves and all your prunings and get them out. If you've mulched the garden, maybe it's worth scooping that mulch away because if they've only gone down a couple of inches, yeah. 
you you may it, be able to remove that. So hygiene and and then refreshing the mulch. Mm. Uh, it's the same with your fig trees when you prune and you've got scale. The leaves have all dropped, so you've got that scale underneath your tree. So you've got to get rid of all the leaves. If you take the layer of mulch away as well, particularly if it's a, a soft straw mulch, that will help with the hygiene and help minimise it. Yeah, and I'm also a big fan of... Uh, of rotating products so yes so neem oil is great i I love that product but i wouldn't use it exclusively and so the idea is that if you uh use another product down the track you know you stop the little devils getting used to something like um Mm. because apparently chili troop do yeah well Mm. that is a big problem that people might not understand and it's the resistance when you use the product that the pest actually develops an immunity to it Mm -hmm through the cycles so this is why it's important so it's very important to follow the instructions on the bottle and to only use products that are registered for certain pests Mm. it's true yeah but i think uh with chili strip uh because it it, well it didn't come on so quickly but it it seemed that way yeah and and when when they um chemical companies and uh, angie from yates would know about this so when you're making a label for a, a chemical product the, the amount of regulations and testing and trials that you go through that yeah. chemical companies go through to actually put the information on that label and a lot of times it takes ages so when these new things come on they haven't had the time to you know update it or change uh, labels and things like that um, but that's why it's really important to follow the label uh, because there's so much work that's gone into a chemical label too and being registered for particular pest treatment. Correct, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, very good information. Thank you. Faye, you brought in this beautiful bouquet, shall I call it, of flowers this you morning. Can. Yes, well, Explain I, away. I got inspired by Joy Ross, who picked some flowers out of her garden and put them into vases. So that was it. Uh, and then she showed night. them off, did she? <laughs> yes, yeah, she put it on Facebook and I went, right, that's a good idea because it's lovely to go out and see the winter flowers in your garden, but... When you bring them inside, it's it's another element. So, yeah, sure is. cluttered up the kitchen bench with all my prunings and looked like a florist shop at 7.30 at night. And I I pulled out vases that had special memories. And um, these have got the the beautiful silver leaf gums in them, which are going nuts I in adore. the garden now. Mm. Uh, the Retama monosperma wedding veil. So it's a weed species. I've got one of those in the garden. The Prunus cerociferin nigra. I thought you'd like this, Ray. The burgundy leaf plum tree as part I of do, it. I do love nigra. And there's uh, a yeah winter flowering gelatin wax and the hardened bergia. Yes. Which I think this one is a hybrid. It's not the, the original variety. But that is just like... A picture in gardens at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So just the colours look fantastic together, and uh, they do such a good job. And I like the uh, the, the silver gum. Is the blue cinerea. Like cinerea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's quite quite a few different kind of silver gums, like this crucis and cinerea. Um, there's one that's quite round. Which one's that? It's like a. Uh, like a silver that, dollar. Silver dollar. There is one called silver dollar. Because yeah. that's Cru- that is Cruciano. what I wanted, but. This was the one that was available at the time. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so with the gelatin wax too, interesting story too, because I bought in a gelatin wax, but um, this one's the edible version. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So most people are familiar with gelatin wax as a cut flower. And 
So what we did was we teamed up with uh, Helix Australia, which is the main company that uh, commercialises um, cut flowers. And they've got a program with Kings Park that do a lot of the breeding for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot, what a lot of people don't realise is that uh, not all gelatin wax uh, tastes the same. And so this gelatin wax we tested with, uh, it's about from 30 different varieties of gelatin wax. And some gelatin wax uh, have a bit of a bitter aftertaste. Yeah. And some have no taste at all. But this one has got a high oil content mm-hmm. and it's a sweeter one. It's called Jambino Zest. And uh, so with uh, that one, <clears throat> we work together. And you can use the leaves in cooking. Uh, do you want to have a taste? I will have a taste, have a taste? yes. Yeah. Here you <laughs> go. So I could just chew him up? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Perhaps we should do this in the break, Ray. <clears throat> okay, we'll be back in a moment and we shall report on the other side. <laughs> Radio. You're with Let's Talk Gardening, 25 minutes after nine. George Minoldi will join you at 10am with the classic 60s. We've just been eating Flay's bouquet, bouquet and we've also been eating the... Uh, Jambino Jam- Zest. Thank you for pronouncing that for That's me right. as well, yeah. doing a bit of a comparison. So it's very interesting. I must say, the say it again for me. Jambino Zest. Thank you. Is uh, quite delicious, very pungent. Well, do you know what I think? It reminds me of Turkish Delight. Oh, right, yeah. And then there's this um, product that comes from the actual flower. Oh, well, this one we've actually uh, made from the leaves. Oh, from the leaves. Yeah, and we've made into uh, like a freeze-dried product. So um, just out of interest, uh, Jambinu is the Yamati name for gelatin. And um, so we did a little bit of a competition to name this particular plant. And the zest part is kind of it's kind of zesty, a bit like yes. a citrusy mm-hmm. aftertaste. So, the fresh leaves you can use in cooking with seafood, uh, yes. any kind of uh, white meat, chicken, I can and things see like it that. Marrying very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got a lovely recipe on our website uh, with uh, Fremantle octopus, and it's used uh, Jambino zest. Gorgeous. But then, when we uh, freeze dried and made it into a powder, it gets a lot sweeter. So you can use that for. Um, icings for desserts and things like that too, um, cakes, uh, cake mixes, and it's really kind of like a sweet, um, bit of a sherbetty lolly uh, flavour. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, a lot of people starting to cook with uh, gelatin wax, whereas they previously just used to use them as a cut flour. Fantastic! Yeah. I didn't realise that you could do that with a gelatin wax. Mm. Yeah. All right, we're out. At to the lines, we're in Mandurah. Ray, hi. Hi. Uh, good morning for everyone there. I want to know about how to grow sweet potatoes. Okay. I've got a lemon tree. It's a fairly old one, but I've got sweet potatoes planted under there. And I, uh, it's running out all right. But someone told me if you uh, cut the runners off the mother plant, you get better potatoes. Mm. It's interesting, Ray, because sweet potatoes are certainly a great ground cover. I don't know that they're the best companion for citrus because citrus trees are very shallow-rooted and they have a lot of feeder roots at the surface. So while it will protect the ground, it also might compete for nutrients. The other thing is that you really don't want to be digging around that area to harvest your sweet potatoes. 
because that will harm the brutes. Yeah, well, it's not right up to the... It's a fair distance away from it. Oh, OK. All right. Uh, you, you and just... I do, do fertilise it. I have been given a blood and bone and a diametric lifter and also NKP. NPK, yes. Yeah, NPK, yeah. All right. Sounds great. So, yes, you're, you will get more sweet potatoes developing from shoots. So if you've if you've got it growing as a ground cover, if you yeah. go through and you chop them with a shovel and break them yeah. up, then where you're getting lots more root development, look, that's where your potatoes will grow. So just go along with the shovel and cut it away from the mother plant and also along the, where it's growing. Yes, but keep it away from your citrus and the, the shallow roots. Okay. It's okay for it for the leaves and runners to grow across the ground and cover, but that's not where you want to encourage the, the tubers developing. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Well, I've also got another question. Yes. I've got some um, capsicum growing in a pot. Yes. And I've put snail pellets in and I've put that for the little caterpillar stuff in, but something's still eating them and I cannot find what it is. Uh-huh. Any idea? Well, at least with it being in a pot, you can move it around. Or the other thing you could do is soak your pot because whatever it is might be going down into the soil and coming out at night time. So if you've got a bucket, if if it's a smallish pot, maybe put a bit of sea salt and water in it and dunk the pot in it. Once that whatever's in the pot drowns it should come to the surface so that's one thing you could do but go okay. out at night with a torch and check because some of the the caterpillars that do damage will go in and hide just below the surface of the soil in the daytime okay i'll try that then. all right good luck with that thanks very much for that okay thank you ray then. bye and let's go to Woodlands and say hello to Diana. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, I have a banana plant tree and it's got a big bunch of bananas on it and they're just starting to turn yellow at the top. Well, normally, previously, I've just sort of waited and let them drop to the ground and I don't know that's a good idea. I'm wondering if there's a better way to, to do it. Mm. Well, if you cut... well. Bananas can produce a lot of bananas, like in hands, so in layers. Mm. So what you can do is cut off the the bottom layer of hands of bananas and put them on an outdoor table to ripen. Yeah. And then do Might that as, as you want them. That way you don't have 10 kilos of bananas sitting around. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I'll try that. Okay. Yeah, that's Thank the you. best way to do it. Other than that, you might like to dehydrate them or freeze them or give them away to friends. Yeah, they, do, they won't ripen properly on the on the tree, so you'd need to harvest no. them and uh, ripen them off the plant. I make lots of banana cake. Oh, Lovely. well done. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks for right. your call, Diana. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 
I was only thinking I was in bed last night and I was only thinking about banana trees. Don't ask me why, but that's what I'm like. Before I wander off to sleep, I was thinking about banana trees. Oh. I had a dream as well. You and I were looking at trees last oh. night. Yeah. And we were relocating things and I was I was going through all these exotic trees that I had planted and you were really surprised. It was just really strange, but it must have been because we knew we had to come in this morning and yeah. it plays on your mind. Yeah. Well, I'd, I've had an experience during the holidays. I was out hunting slime mould and cleaning up a wood pile. Funny that. And just checking on my specimens at night under the microscope and next thing this little beetle like wandered across and I'm like, oh, Who you're, are you? you're so tiny I couldn't see it with my naked eyes. But I'd also received an email from Dr. Daryl Hardy about the pothole, no, the Shot shot hole. hole. Shot pot. (laughs) (laughs) Pot. Pothole. Polyphagus shot hole borer. There we go. Anyway, I pulled the photo up and I'm going, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, look what I found here. It looked like the culprit. It did. So straight away sent off a report, like, excitedly. I know I shouldn't be excited about it. No, I wouldn't be. But I put it in a container. Anyway, I found two, so I put them in separate containers Deeperd, Shona from Deeperd and another fellow came out last week and they went through the garden. They identified trees that could be potential hosts. And you know what was interesting? The year or two before, I'd posted on one of the Facebook groups about what I thought was fungus on my avocado tree. It turned out to be like sugar volcanoes. So something had bored into the trunk. Now, avocado trees are one of the favourites of the shot hole borer. Okay. So it, there was no evidence at this time. However, they they looked and they uh, recorded a lot of trees on my property. Uh, we don't have the main trees, which are Asa or Maple. Uh, have you got jacarandas? Have you, have you I have got... Oh, I, I can't remember. Honestly, Mark, mm. the list was huge. Yeah. But we don't seem to have it. So they on the weren't property. those little. Well, we we haven't had them identified yet, and there are lots of native borers. So we've got yeah. lots of holes in our wood. Anyway, mm. I then had this dream because they were pretty careful, and I said, "Oh, don't step there. That's a special this <laughs> and that." You know, you can, I can imagine. imagine like like walking through landmines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. then property. I had this dream about. Deep herd had come in, there was all these people and they were digging up the garden and it was like, it was just horrendous. It was a nightmare. But anyway, no, those that came and inspected my trees were very careful and I'll keep you updated. I, I got photos too. I know. It's a tiny little beetle. I know, you sent me. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, no, brilliant. Well, not brilliant if it is actually <laughs> what, we, what we think it might be. But it be. was good to detect it. If you've got the pothole borer, shot, shot hole, hole borer, <laughs> In your garden, you will you'd barely notice it. This is the it's thing. This tiny is the dots, and they no. would travel up the trunk, and just tiny holes. Well, so destroy a tree. Yeah. Mm. So go in and have a look with a torch if you've got damaged branches, branches dying back, like, mm. and sort of you don't have to go down low. They'll probably fly in, you know, at about eye height, chest height, maybe. Okay. And there'll be. A line that goes up where they're moving through on the trunk or in the in the actual, on the trunk on the trunk, mm-hmm. and so they're looking for. Mm. I think one of the things is bigger 
trunk trees. Yeah. But a lot of my trees have small trunks and or are young. That's, so um, that's But avocados you. are one to definitely check. Okay. Mm. Okay, good information. All right, listeners, how would you like to go shopping? Must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. We have a $75 gift voucher up for grabs from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. Thank you to Kerry, our good friend up in Pickering Brook. What can you get with $75? Okay, well, as you know, Bigger Trees specialise in frangipanis, ornamentals and fruit trees. And their bare root stock is all arrived now and it's been potted up up into sizes of up to 90 litre tubs, which is quite large. And their citrus is fruiting. Blossoms are also appearing on stone fruit. And their camellias and azaleas are still showing gorgeous blooms. So, yes, prize winner to be your $75 gift voucher shopping experience will be very exciting. Okay, now we have a very simple question for you. Uh, these will get harder as the weeks progress because that's the mood that I've seen John w- work with. So he started off very kindly today, but look out as the weeks <laughs> progress. He gets harder and harder, doesn't he? He does. Here is your question. In one of her hit songs, Doris Day asked, please, please don't eat the what? In one of the hit songs, Doris Day asked, please, please don't eat the what? Nine four eight four one nine two. Seven. Give Bev a call now. Okay, we can carry on. All right. Now, Mark, you've got some pretty-looking plants in front of you. Oh, yes, I bought a couple more uh, little bush food plants here. And uh, this one, I thought um, there's actually six native uh, mints in Australia. And uh, in the Tuckerbush range, we've actually got three of them. And this is the latest edition. It's a... Um, got a, a wild mint or probably it's closer to more native peppermint okay and it's just a very small grower uh, it does sucker like most mints do so it's an excellent choice for a pot and it gets a really attractive little purple flower actually which is also edible, edible. so that's for your ground cover plants yeah little ground cover plant it's got little leaves and it's a little suckering type plant and it's got that pepperminty uh, leaf smell to it so it's good for teas um, uh, good for cooking in general too and uh, very easy to grow and uh, that's it that's just one of the, the three mints in the range we also mm. have got uh, river mint and a bush mint which is meant the saturoides which has a little white flower uh, which is more of a savory mint okay. so river mints are probably a, a good dessert um, mint you know, good for chocolate cakes things like that uh, this one's good for tea, and uh, the bush mint's good for savoury, like sure. with lamb and things like that. So, three little mints. Mm. Excellent. I and like the texture of the next one that you've got I, there. It, I do too. It's like a star, isn't it? I could imagine it punctuating the the landscape, multiples of them. Yeah. So this is a, a it's a tiny little strap leaf plant. It's got little thin leaves. Very delicate. And this one's called a chocolate lily. Mm. And uh, the interesting thing about it is that it has chocolate smelling flowers. So uh, the flowers you can eat, but they're better to smell with. But um, Aboriginal people actually eat the, the tubers of this one. So underneath the plant, it produces little white finger-like tubers underneath the ground. And they have a little bit of a, a, a coconutty taste. Oh. So this is like a little bounty chocolate all rolled into one. 
but you have to dig it up. Do they, like, if you do that, if you dig it up and harvest, do you divide and replant? Because we don't want to, you know, go out and put all these plants in and then harvest them and lose them. Literally eat them. That's right. Well, of course, when you're really hungry, you want to eat the roots. But the the club actually does get bigger, so you don't have to harvest the whole thing. You can actually Mm. just uh, section off a little bit and harvest that plant that way. But uh, the flowers come out in uh, spring, in June, and a little purple flower, and smells just like chocolate. It's amazing. Um, so, and it's great for attracting the little blue banded bee oh. as well, too. And so that's a winner. Very sensory, then the the fragrance. Yeah. So, so sensory so gardens are very healing. It is, and so you can grow it in a pot, so you can have it close to the the patio or. Elevated a bit so the flowers are up at kind of nose level. Gorgeous, um, but Good uh, idea. kids love them. Kids love the smell of the the chocolate flower, and uh, of course you can eat the tuber. You can eat the tuber raw, uh, but you can also roast it. And uh, so it's good for that. And what sort of water requirements do these plants need, Mark? Really not very much. In fact, this one's almost, uh, it's actually a bit dormant during summer. Oh, so during okay. birac, uh, it doesn't die down entirely, but it looks pretty ratty. You know, it uh, starts to, uh, because our summers are so harsh, it's dormant that time of the year. Um, so do you to, turn off the water to it or do you just water sparingly? Well, you water sparingly uh, during that time because if uh, you do overwater it when it's dormant, there's a chance it can rot away. Mm. And especially in a, in a pot situation, not so much in the ground, but we have to be careful in the nursery uh, yes. not w- overwatering it because mm. sprinklers just come on automatically. Exactly. And yeah. um, so they can rot away, things like that. So mm, gorgeous. And we have lily. and we have a winner of the seventy five dollar gift voucher from Bigger Trees, Karen of Lansdale. Congratulations. Thank you for playing with us. We will pop your voucher in the mail to you this week. Do let us know what you get with your voucher and don't forget if you'd like to learn more about Bigger Trees, they do have a website and a Facebook page that you can go to. So it's biggertrees.com. Dot au. We will be back in a moment. Radio. Don't you worry, we are actually here. We just get very chatty in the breaks. And, well, we uh, have homework to do, right? Yes. All right. Let's go straight to Gosnells. We're chatting with Linda. Good morning. Oh, good morning, good Linda. Morning and, and thank you for coming back. I was very excited <laughs> to hear that you're on this morning. Well, we're excited to be back. And also, um, Mark, yes. pleased to have him on as well. Thank you. And what I'm asking about is the moringa. I've got one that's in a pot and it's only about, about a metre high, but it's lost all its leaves and it doesn't look happy from the top. Yes. And so it's just lost the leaves recently? Yeah, it's lost its leaves over the last couple of months, really. Okay. Uh, well, again, it's a it's a heat-loving oh. plant. Um, <laughs> so that, is it common name the drumstick Plant this moringa. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, again, loves the heat, hates the cold. And yours is in a pot or in the ground? In a pot at the moment. Okay. Um, well, again, I would probably start to make sure you let it dry out between watering. And uh, well, I'm not watering at the moment, but uh, okay. Um, so is it? I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Is it really dry the the potting mix, or is it? Just no, to, I don't think so. Um, I'd have to have a look at it but I was thinking what you suggested about the other ones maybe to wrap it up in something to um, 
keep it warm or something. <laughs> a little bit of plastic. So they, uh, what I've seen some people do is just put, uh, if it's in a pot, you can actually uh, put uh, three steaks in the in the pot and then just wrap a little mm. bit of uh, clear plastic around it uh, just to okay. keep it warm that yeah. way. And you might find that it'll uh, die back from the, the tips. And so as long as it doesn't well, it die, has, yeah. Yeah, die back all the way. Uh, we've had them uh, up at the nursery too, same thing. They look pretty daggy and we put them in the hothouse. Um, but they, they should, when it warms up again, as long as it doesn't die back entirely, and you can tell that by just scratching the, the stem of the plant, and yep. uh, if it's still green underneath, it's still alive, but it's, it'll be quite visible. You know, there'll be a little black bit at the top where it's died off. Mm -hmm. yep. And then hopefully it'll reshoot uh, from a node that's still alive uh, when it warms up. Okay. Hmm. Okay. And Rosella, I've had a lot of trouble with that. I've tried and tried and tried. I've had probably about half a dozen different plants. <clears throat> Same well, thing, I guess. Yeah, well, Rosella, really down here in Perth, is an annual plant. So you should be treated as an annual. Uh, up at the top end, it's really perennial because it's uh, consistently warm up there. But we treat them as annuals. So the idea is that you get them going early uh, from October. Um, they just grow really well, very quickly, and they'll flower very quickly around Christmas time. And then after that, um, yeah, when it gets cold in winter, uh, they sometimes get, uh, they're prone to a bit of a fungal disease uh, when it gets really cold and they just die back and they'll just collapse. So just use them as a, really? an annual plant. Linda, there's a very good book here, Bush Food for Beginners, and page 113 refers to the rosella, okay. a heat-loving shrub that's easy to grow. So there's a key there. And, of course, in summertime when they are growing, the flowers are lovely in the bottom I, of your champagne. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. The reason why I can't understand it is because I remember going to get some milk from um, a, a, a lady round the corner from the um, Mary Carroll Park that backs onto it. She had goats, and I used to get goat's milk, and she had a big rosella bush there. Probably big during summer? The whole time. It was a rosella, you know, probably microclimate. Yeah. Mm? Some places, if you can get them in a really, really warm pocket, mm. um, you know, that gets you know, the heat from the summer sun, um, winter sun rather, and uh, you mm. can get them to keep going in a microclimate like we are talking about before. But really, yeah. you know, we, we treat them down here as annuals. Annuals. Okay. Yep. Now I understand. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Mark. Much no. appreciated. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. Okay, so we, I'm not sure how we're tracking with a Bev. Can everyone still hear us? Because we seem to have lost a bit of sound here on the panel. Mm. You can hear us okay? Okay, well, we'll just carry on. We're just having trouble hearing amongst ourselves, are we? I, I can hear okay, Ray. Is it just I, you? Okay, I've, I've tweaked it. I'm back. Okay. okay. All right. Good My goodness. Elizabeth has sent us in an email. Over the last few weeks, her three direct neighbours have removed a massive carob, macadamia and lemon trees and a beautiful old gum. She's heartbroken but have already noticed the small birds in the remaining small trees and shrubs. A small joy, but she will work harder now at providing more habitat for them. Loving your show. Thank you, Elizabeth. Mm. Now, what I was going to say about our weather and and trees and temperature, once upon a time, as children, we would have a lot of 
summer thunderstorms. The rain would, uh, the depression clouds would come down the coast and dump rain on Perth. Yeah. These days, those clouds come down the coast, they get to Perth, it's hotter and drier, they rise, they move away, and the rain goes elsewhere. Mm. I guess it's about urban sprawl in our gardens. Things are changing. Yes. The changes we can affect. I don't believe there has ever been a more important time to, to garden than now, to create and encourage greener spaces, to be sustainable and to look after each other. Food security and food miles. A lot of things are changing. The rules change. Yes. You know, it doesn't matter what you look at, whether it's water or electricity. Can we guarantee everything? No. No, but we can do our little bit. To look after I, ourselves. To look after ourselves. Yeah. And I see more people, you know, the government should do this and the government should do that. This week, I sort of started looking within and saying, what can I do or what can we do? And we can all do a little bit. We can limit the spread of COVID. We don't want to spread the limit. If we slow back, slow down a little bit and look after our own patch and the people around us, there's a lot of people doing it tough at the moment. Yes. I, I feel that more and more. And the hospital system and the care system is really struggling. These are people, you know, you think we, we can't do anything. We actually can. Maybe it's writing a card. Maybe it's dropping off some chocolates. Just spreading a little bit of love, whether it's sending some flowers or picking some flowers from your garden and dropping them off. I thought about sending wine, but that's probably not a good thing to do. <laughs> but today I thought, what about a fruit basket? Yeah. You know, what about dropping off some oranges and fresh fruit? You know, mm. we should all be eating three pieces of fruit a day. So mm. our care staff just need to know that they're not alone because, yeah. you know, we're all in it together. Let, let us do what we can. And for those of you in hospital and going through hospital things, and I know there's a few of you, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, there's people around... There's help at hand. Mm. Just know that we're here. Lovely, yeah. lovely, beautiful. Yeah. All right. When we return, we'll be chatting with Nissa. Thank you for your company this morning on Let's Talk Gardening. Nissa, right with you. But if you would like to start your own bush food journey in your own backyard, we have two books to give away this morning. Compliments of Mark Tuchek, who's sitting in the studio with us very kindly. The book is called Bush Food for Beginners. They will be autographed and we will give them away right now. You must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Give Bev a call. You must have to be able to come into the station, of course, and collect these, these books. We can't put them in the mail to you. If you can come in and collect them, we have two to give away. Give Bev a call right now, 94841927, and Bush Food for Beginners is yours. If you'd like to learn more or know where you can actually access one, just go to your Tuckabush Tuckabush website. Website, yeah. brilliant. Okay. We're chatting with Nissa. Thanks for waiting, love. That's all right. Um, first of all, thank you so much for the show. I just learn something new every single week. It's fantastic. Oh, nice. thank you, Nissa. So, the question I've got is, um, I heard the earlier discussion about um, lawn weed killers. Yes. Now, I don't use them because it says in big letters on all of them, poison. Yes. 
Now, I have beautiful bandicoots that love to come digging in my garden, and I love the bandicoots. And would the poison that's in the long weed killers kill my bandicoots? Uh, it it will depend on the poison. Like, it would have to be researched on the active ingredient. I, too, like you, mm-hmm. have bandicoots, so that is uh, a big consideration for everything I do. Mm. And I think you'll find that the bandicoots dig down and they are seeking insects and fungi. Uh, little little underground truffles and and so forth. So they're probably not eating the weeds and the roots as such. So that's one thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. As to whether they will kill them or harm them, you know, I don't know that there's enough studies done particularly on that. Okay. But I think... I think you'll find that bandicoots are very selective and if it was troublesome, they would probably go elsewhere and avoid it. Otherwise, we we would be seeing dead bandicoots. But I also think it would build up over time too. It would be like a consistent thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the more herbicide build up in your lawn and the more over time, which we don't know, you know, the the effects Mm, over time... Mm. Um, so you just don't want to gamble with that over time, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I I think I might just put up with the weeds. I really don't oh, mind them too much. But... Abs- absolutely, Nessa. Choice, I, yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Mm. Um, these are all the things we consider when we do it. And I want to also say I I feel a bit guilty when you wrote to us asking for advice on your, your son's place that yeah. I didn't give you enough um of what you were after um, as far as ideas for your garden. So I will go back and look at the email and and come up with some more solutions for you. But I probably also need more information about what you're trying to achieve. Right. But, I mean, it's worked like magic. My son actually went out and did some weeding. So, hey, we're getting there. Yes. (laughs) When they take responsibility, you're on the right track. That's what I'm... Can I just say one more thing? Um, Mark's midgen berries, I've had great success with them. And for a beginner um, growing native food, they are fabulous. The fruit tastes beautiful and um, I share it with my wildlife as well. Oh, lovely. Excellent. And because I knew you were going to talk about midgen berries, I bought one in today. We just happen to have one sitting here looking at us. Here's one I prepared earlier. So midgen berries are my favourite plant for a beginner. So if you want to start your bush food journey, I recommend a a midgen berry. And it's the same thing, you know, Australia. Everyone knows about a blueberry, but nobody knows about midgen berries. And they're such great plants. I've, I've got a small hedge and they are so beautiful, even when there's no fruit, but the um, reddish sort of new growth on the top, it looks beautiful and then I get the bonus of the fruit. So I definitely recommend them. Lovely. Very good. Thanks, Nissa. <laughs> thanks. Cheers thanks. for that. Thank Bye. you for your help. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. And we do have two winners for Mark's book, Bush Food for Beginners. We have Gay from Willerton and Joan from Meadow Springs. Congratulations, guys. I did see the phone lines absolutely light up. So I know there was a lot of interest out there. So Bush Food for Beginners, congratulations. And I just wanted to mention with the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, the answer to the question was daisies. Please, please don't eat daisies. Mm. Okay, you guys wrap up. Well, when it all gets too much, Ray, Mm -hmm. I have a solution. Yes. 
into the garden I go to lose my mind and find my soul. Faye <laughs> brought me a magnificent sign to go into my garden and it says Ray's garden and into the garden I go to lose my mind and find my soul. I lose my mind every day so it's important that I go into my garden and find my soul. I'm sitting on a chair with my short hair and a glass of champagne and Ella is at my feet and it's the most beautiful gift and it gave me the most wonderful surprise that Faye brought that in for me this morning. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, my it's pleasure. just you deserve delightful. It, I've been staring at, it, staring at it all morning whilst we've been on air. I keep looking at it. It's just delightful. Thank you. I just so unexpected. Very, very spoilt and very appreciative. Thank you. All right. Mark, thank you for this morning. It's been fantastic in giving these books away. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to get into mine and have a good read through. I've already spied a few subjects that I'd like to <laughs> learn more about. Faye Akara, is there anything else that we need to say this morning? No, I think that's it for me. Okay. Bev Daring, John Glidden, thank you very much. My gardenism for the morning is happiness is to hold flowers in both hands. <laughs> okay. George Minoldi is joining you next with a classic 60s, then from 12 noon as Brendan T and Born in Boots. Happy gardening, everyone. It's just great to be back. We'll catch you next week. Cheers for now. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.